Right to be Read podcast, episode number 155. Interview with Mark Messick. You are listening to the Right to be Read podcast, and this is your host, Ani Alexander. Hey there, it's Ani Alexander. Welcome to the Right to be Read podcast, the podcast that inspires and encourages writers. I'm really happy that we are in deep spring already. It's May. Uh, you can't really tell from the weather in London, to be honest. It's not that warm yet, but May is going to be a huge month for me. It's very intense in many different respects. You will find out soon why. Uh, but that's not what we will be talking about today. Today I have a guest and we will be uh, talking with him about different things that I'm sure you will be interested in, such as how to get noticed, uh, how to make sure that your books are noticed, how to make sure that you actually stand out um, and how to sell your books and how to make money from your books. And I'm sure that this is um, something that most of you are thinking about and would like to make it work. My guest is Mark Masek. He is 16 years old. He has published 11 books and sold tens of thousands of copies and makes $4,000 a month from his royalties. And I'm trying to find out how he's done it and how we can probably do it too. Hello there, Mark. Welcome to the Right to be Read podcast. Thanks for having me. Well, it's it's really interesting. I mean, I have to say uh, to tell this story because I don't really have secrets uh, with my audience. So basically, <laughs> I received an email from you. It sounded very incredible to me. Uh, so I mean, you're from the very few people I actually got in touch and did a pre-interview interview, interview <laughs> before recording this one. So um, I guess we 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 sort of you know I have to explain why that happened and um, <laughs> uh, I will explain it by asking you questions because you know from the questions they will realize what was in in like you know in the message and why I was a bit suspicious about everything that was going on <laughs> so uh, I'm just you know I have few phrases that I'm take that I've taken from the email you've sent me so we can go one by one and, and then, you know, I, I guess that's how we will start this time the conversation, which will be a bit different. So I wrote something that kind of, you know, made me raise my eye, eyebrow. It was like, I dropped out of school at 10 to pursue my passion of writing. Right? Remember writing Yeah, that? <laughs> I do. Okay, so I, I think this will be a really interesting story to start with, right? Yeah. Well, and I, you know, I've talked to a lot of different people and uh, I've used that line in a couple of places and that always gets people's attention. That's the line that they always talk about. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So do you want to talk about that? Uh, sure. So, um, yeah, well, when I was 10 years old, um, I, my family and I just decided that it would be a, a good idea to go for homeschool for a couple of different, different reasons. And, uh, you know, I just started writing a ton, um, you, you know, being homeschooled and, you know, not having all the pressures of being in public school that 
freed up my schedule a lot and just allowed me to pursue my passion. And seriously, I, I would write for like six, eight hours a day. And, you know, I still did normal schoolwork and I did my math and my science and everything like that. But I just really put a lot of focus on writing and I was writing all the time. Okay, so did you know from that young age that you were going to be a writer? Or you had other possibilities like, you know, we all have in childhood and then eventually it changes with the time? Um, that's a good question. So when I was in public school, I had no idea what I wanted to be. I was really, um, I don't know, I, I guess the best way to explain it is I wasn't really myself. Like kind of the, the person that I was in public school was based heavily on who my friends were and who they expected me to be. Mm -hmm. And um, I honestly had no idea what I wanted to be when I grew up. I, I didn't really think about it at all. That wasn't something on my mind. Um, and then really, you know, once I started, you know, homeschool and started writing, I just found that I really, really loved it. And I, I think it was pretty much from day one that the first day that I ever experimented with writing, it, it was just, you know, a thing I'm like, hey, I should try writing a book. It was just, you know, it, it was just an idea that came into my head. And from day one, I just knew that it was what I wanted to do. Okay, so are we talking fiction or nonfiction here? Um, at first, it was fiction. I, yeah, I, I was just a 10-year-old kid, and I'm, I like to read a lot. I read a lot of books, and uh, mostly, you know, cheesy kid fantasy books. And so I'm just like, you know, I'm, I'm going to try to write the same thing that I like to read. Uh-huh. Okay. And so the, that's what I did for the next couple of years. Okay, a couple of years meaning from 10 to 12, right? <laughs> um, yeah, 10 to 12. I, actually, I think it might have been 10 to 13. Okay. So a, a good two to three years. Okay, I see. Well, we, we have spoken a lot during the, this podcast about uh, how our writing is perceived by other and others and how much encouragement do we get or how much we would like to get, but we're not getting. So what was your situation when you started writing? You know, uh, what was the reaction of your parents, your friends? Uh, did you get enough encouragement? Or did you have self doubts? Uh, what was going on from the emotional side of the things? Yeah, so I guess when I started, I really got a lot of support from uh, my parents and I, I was just really excited about this new adventure that I was starting. And I remember <laughs> I would read my story to like everybody. I read it to the babysitter when she came over. I remember I just randomly in some um, office building, my mom was running errands and I stopped some lady and just said, hey, listen to this and started <laughs> reading my book to her. Like I, I was just so excited about it. And everyone was really encouraging which uh, I, I think was really lucky that I got that because honestly, everything I was writing was absolutely horrible. <laughs> it was just complete trash. I, I've gone back and read it, and it's it, it was really really bad. Well, but nobody that's ever told where everyone that. starts, and, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. So I, I was super super lucky that I really did have um, a good support group and people that were very encouraging. Okay, well, I see. So uh, what happened with those writings, like the very first ones? Did you ever publish well, them or so it, change them? It's kind them? of funny. Um, <laughs> so the, the first book that I ever wrote, uh, I never finished it. I got only maybe 60 or 70 pages into it. Um, and uh, again, it, it was just some cheesy kid fantasy thing. 
but it was kind of weird. Um, so I, I was using this really, really old computer. It was actually as old as I was. Um, it was made in the same year. And uh, I, I was saving my, uh, my stories onto a floppy drive. And somehow, I, I have no idea how, but I messed it up so that I couldn't take the floppy drive to any other computer. Like if I plugged it in, none of my files would show up. But then if I tried to use the computer that I wrote everything on without that floppy drive, it wouldn't work. So I had to have both the specific computer that I started writing on and the specific floppy drive together. And that was the only way I could access it. And then uh, the computer stopped working because it got old, and so I lost those early writings. But um, I, I have everything that I've written since then. So I, I lost about maybe six months of writing, but everything after that I have saved. Okay. Well, that's nice so, to know. Just kind of a weird side story. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So um, let's get to where you are. So let's start by explaining to the listeners where you are now. Like, So you dropped out of school at 10 to pursue your passion. You wrote for three years of fiction. And uh, now, like, you know, just fast forwarding, you are making 4K, 4K per month writing and publishing books. And you are 16 now, and you have already published 11 books. That's so uh, that's the situation. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm getting this from the email I've received. So okay, cool. uh, now looking at this, let's understand uh, f- since when are you where you are now? Um. Yeah, so I I never really planned on publishing things, uh, any sort of book this early. Um, but then just one day I was browsing around on Amazon and I scrolled down and at, in their footer at the very bottom, there's just a little button that says self-publish with us. I'm like, huh, that's interesting. So I clicked on it and uh, I found out that you could just publish a book for free on Amazon. So like two days later, I uploaded a short story that I had written, you, you know, that I just had saved in my computer. And it sold really horribly. And uh, I, I made like a dollar in my first month. And uh, I, I don't know, I, I just, from there, it was a really kind of slow uphill battle. It took me about two years until I achieved e- even a little bit of success. And then after that point, things just really, really took off. Um. So, yeah, and that now I, I am where I am today, and I've got about 11 books out there, uh, g- give or take. I, I've taken a couple down, um, some of the early ones that I published, because I wasn't very proud of them. But now I have 11 up there, and uh, they're, you know, they've done all right. Okay, so let's try to sort of you know, move step by step from there. So, uh, I mean, you started pretty much like, most of the people start by self-publishing on Amazon, putting it out there, having certain expectations, but at the end, like not really doing really well. So, yeah. um, so what kept you like moving forward and keeping on doing what you were doing instead of just you know being discouraged and giving up? Yes. Yeah, so probably. Um... The, the biggest thing is just that I'm super stubborn and uh, I, I decided that I wanted to make it work 
And it, it's kind of weird. Like, I, I never really had any doubt in my mind that I could be successful with that. I saw lots of other people that were successful at it. This was back in January of 2013 um, when I first published. And, you know, I, I saw people that were successful self publishing. And in my mind, that there was no reason that I couldn't be one of them. And so if I, if I could fast forward, you know, two years and see what my journey would be like and how hard it would be, I probably would have given up at the beginning. But at the beginning, I didn't know yet how hard it would be. And so I just kind of blindly stumbled around and eventually figured it out just because I was so stubborn and that I didn't have any doubts really. So <laughs> yeah, I, I, in, in that case, ignorance was bliss, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, so uh, do you sort of, you know, uh, do you want to, to talk about, most probably you did certain mistakes that, that are pretty common among uh, writers. So wh what are like the biggest things that now thinking back, you say that, you know, oh my God, yeah, I should have done it completely differently? Um, I think probably one of the biggest things that I did wrong is that I really overcomplicated the entire process. I looked at it as uh, lots of little steps that were all, you know, just floating around and super complicated and like you have to create a website and you have to get reviews and you have to contact bloggers and like all of these individual things. And I looked at marketing as a lot of individual steps. But mm -hmm. then when things really started to change is when I took a, you know, a step back and looked at everything from a bird's eye view and just kind of thought, okay, how can I simplify this? into something that is just really easy to understand and not a lot of little steps that I have no idea how they fit together. And w what I came up with is that marketing really is just two steps. It's traffic and conversion. That's all it is. You just send people to your book page and convert those people into buyers. Traffic and conversion. And once I realized that, then I figured out, okay, so I just need to find more effective ways to send traffic and more effective ways to convert that traffic. And just breaking it down like that really helped me understand what I needed to do. And then I was able to kind of prioritize my marketing efforts and spend my time on the things that really got results rather than just all these random little steps that some people said worked and some people said didn't. And I really had no idea what I was doing. Mm, okay, I see. So you were pretty strategic with your marketing. Were you also strategic with what you were writing about and, uh, you know, how, how were you approaching the, um, the initial kind of, you know, the f first stage of, of writing a book and coming up with book ideas? Right. Well, so at first, you know, back when I was 10 years old, I was definitely not strategic about it at all. I would just write whatever came to my mind and I didn't have an outline or anything like that. And in fact, most days, I didn't even know what I would write the next day. I would just make up my stories as I went along. And, uh, you, you know, I, I had no idea what I was doing. But then later, once I got into nonfiction, um, I, I found that I really liked kind of self-help type topics like goals and routines and just general, you know, personal development, things like that. Um, once I started writing those type of books, I became a lot more strategic with my process. And I, I had a step-by-step -step outline. Yet, you know, first I do this and then this and then this. And that creates a book that I can, you know, go and publish. Okay, and and what made you uh, eventually get into nonfiction? I mean, why didn't you keep on writing fiction? 
because uh, I was really bad at fiction, and <laughs> and I I just want wanted to try something new, and uh, you you know I, I I don't know that there wasn't like a specific reason like one day I just thought you know I I should do this because of this I just randomly decided to try it, and uh, I I found out that I really liked it so I kept doing it. Okay, I see. So uh, I mean. So basically, you、uh, in terms of marketing, you said that there are two things you focus on, and it's traf- driving traffic and and converting that traffic. So, what are your biggest sources of traffic? How do you actually kind of you know strategize, and and where do you get your initial traffic to your site? Okay, so one of my favorite ways of getting traffic is、um, going on a blog tour and a podcast tour.、Um, I find that that's a Really effective way to send both short-term and long-term traffic. You, you know, whenever a blog or a podcast、um, that that I do goes out, I get a nice short-term boost in traffic. But then over time, if I go on enough blogs and podcasts, it kind of creates this network of traffic that kind of trickles down and provides steady long-term traffic. So th- that's one of my favorite、um, techniques for sure. And you, you know, it, it's not very.、Uh, You know, new or groundbreaking or original. It, it, it's a technique that's been out there for a while, but it it still works, in my opinion. Okay. Yeah. Well. So you basically are tapping into other people's audiences, right? And yeah, yeah. It 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 just works. I, I I agree completely with you because that's that's the case. It still works, and hopefully it will for a while. <laughs> and yeah.、Um, So let's get to the second stage. In that case,、uh, you're doing the tours. You're getting、uh, different audiences who eventually part of them want to check your site out and they come and visit your website.、Uh, how are you making sure that your conversion is good? I mean, what are the elements that affect conversion? Okay, so there's. There's like five different things you can do, but two that are super important that pretty much all authors completely fail at. And again, that this is pretty basic stuff that I think most authors know, but they don't really do it. And the the two things that really, really, really made a big difference for me is、uh, getting better covers and getting better titles. Those are the two things that really picked up my book sales. Because、um, I, I used to have horrible, horrible covers.、Uh, that that first book that I published way back in January of 2013, I made the cover myself in Microsoft Paint, and、uh, <laughs> it, it was just it was super, super horrible. And、uh, then I went the Fiverr route for a little while and got Fiverr covers, and eventually I started using Archangel Ink, which I highly recommend. They're totally awesome, and now I get compliments on my covers. All the time, I, I went back and redid all my covers、um, with Archangel Ink, and、uh, you know, I just between、uh, my covers and titles, I, I remember、uh, one time. I, I think I posted in Pat's group, which、uh, I, I'm sure a, a lot of your listeners come from Pat's group.、Um, j- just、uh, a link to one of my titles and covers, and said, "Hey, can anybody provide you know feedback on this? What can I change?" And within a couple of hours, I had over a hundred people that said, "When is this book going live? We want to buy it right now," just from the title and cover. And I, I think again, a lot of authors understand that having good titles and having good covers are important, but they just don't have good covers and titles. Most of the covers and titles out there are really horrible. And I think the key to having a really good cover and title 
is just to be unique and show people something that they haven't seen before. So many of the titles that you see and covers that you see are super generic, not creative at all. They're just things that, like, they're the same as the rest of the competition. They just really blend in. Having things that stand out, I think, I, I, I really think that's one of the biggest things you can do. And uh, I, I didn't used to be very good at this. If you look at my books, um, some of my titles really aren't that great, like Productivity Unleashed or The Art of Success. Those are a couple of my books that I have. And th those titles, they're just really generic. They blend in. And that those books still kind of sold all right, but not that good, just because the, the titles are totally generic. But then once I got into more creative titles, um, like uh, one, one of my most recent, recent books is titled Why People Fail. And uh, another one is Stupid on Purpose. And every time I say that title, Stupid on Purpose, someone comments on that. I'm just like, <laughs> hey, that's a great title. I want to read this book now. And I, I mean, that's really the power of a great title is it just grabs someone's attention, makes them curious. It's something they haven't seen before, and it really makes them want to read the book right away. Okay. And uh, I mean... Um I know the answer, but just for the sake of, of making it more clear, many people argue that great covers cost fortune. So uh, I, I just want you to kind of, you know, validate that it's not the case. <laughs> oh, no. Um, I, I mean, Archangel Inc., which I use, um, they charge, I, I believe they charge about $200 now, which is definitely more than you'll pay on Fiverr. But it's totally, totally, totally worth it. My book sales doubled as soon as I changed to Archangel Inc. That was the only thing I did is I just changed my covers to Archangel Inc. And I went from making, at the time, um, the, the month before I made 800 and the next month I made 1600 And the only thing my covers. But like it really makes a huge difference. It's definitely worth the investment. Yeah, I mean, yes, uh, it's, um, I don't know, maybe maybe it's not good, but definitely people judge the book by its cover, especially when they are seeing these thumbnail small images on yeah. Amazon's page. The one that stands out gets the click, and I guess the cover's main purpose is to get that click, right? Yeah, well, if, if you go and search any subject, um, fiction, nonfiction, whatever, it, just go to Amazon and put in a search term, like, 90% of the covers look exactly like the next cover in the line. Like They just all really kind of blend into each other. And every once in a while, you'll come across a cover that really stands out um, or a title that really stands out. And those are the books that I click on. And you know, more often than not, I'll end up buying those books. And I almost never buy books with really generic titles or covers. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 just, uh, I, I guess I, I'm just see, uh, seeing it uh, the, as parallel to what's happening now in social media. You, you have all these messages, you have all these noise, and whoever is different in terms of what kind of message he has, what kind of content, and how he's showing that content uh, are basically the ones who get noticed th these right. days. Yeah, okay. So I also know that besides the fact that you figured out everything by yourself, uh, you're also helping authors with your knowledge and uh, you, you have a course out there, right? Yeah, that's correct. I recently came out with a course for Kindle authors. Just to, that, that This course, I think it's specifically for beginning authors because there's a lot of other great courses out there for more advanced authors. Steve Scott has a great course. Chandler Bolt has a great course. 
Nick Stevenson has a great course. I highly recommend all three of those. But they all have really high price tags that beginning authors can't afford. And also some of their techniques um, are more advanced and just things that truly beginning authors can't really handle. And so yeah. I wanted to create a course that was just specifically for beginning authors at a price that they could actually afford. Okay. I mean, going to the price, uh, it's just... I'm, I, I was looking at the website and I was really surprised to see this. So I, I want like, you know explanation about this because it's really kind of catchy just like the covers we spoke about it says that you get a money back guarantee plus 25 dollars on top if you're not satisfied right. with the results yeah no i and the reason i did that is just because i really wanted to let people know that i take all of the risk on this because i i really put together a good quality product that i think a lot of people will like i actually recorded all the videos four times because I wanted to make sure that they were, you know, the best they could be. So I recorded it the first time, got feedback, recorded it again and again and again. And now they're to a point that I'm really proud of it. And so I, I have the money back plus $25 guarantee. Just I, And I mean, $25 isn't that much, but it's enough to show people that I'm taking responsibility for this product and I really believe that they'll like it. And I'm taking all the risk here. Okay, so I was going uh, through the curriculum and the topics that you cover there. And there were two things I would like to discuss with you. I mean, the one is a two-step marketing system that always works. So, I mean, I, I, obviously, I don't want all the details and, and to share the whole course with us. But can you sort of, you know, uh, describe those two steps, like in general terms, what are those two things that uh, that always work? Well, we already talked about it a little bit, traffic and conversion. That, that's oh, okay. my two-step marketing system that always works. And I can go into a little bit more detail if you want. But like you said, I, I want to say most of it for people that actually buy the course. Yeah, just a little bit, if, if, you, if you don't mind. Uh, it's just... Yeah, so um, if you think about it, a lot of the marketing systems out there they're really kind of short term. Like they might work for a little while, but over time, techniques change, and um, the way people, um, you, you know, look at content and like things change over time, and that that's just the way things are. The um, I remember back when I started self-publishing, uh, free promotions was huge with KDP Select, and everyone that was doing it was making like forty thousand dollars a month, and it was awesome. And they're like. You know, authors are going to be rich forever, just do this. Uh, but that doesn't work anymore. If you try to run a KDP select free promotion, you're lucky if you make back the investment you spend on promo sites. Like it, things just don't, th things change. Um, but if you think about it, traffic and conversion, that, that will never change. It'll always work um, just because you, you just, it's just a really logical approach to marketing. You just send people where you want them to be, and then you convince them that you have something that they want. And that, that's really all it is. And, uh, you know, it, it's not just in self-publishing. Any industry, um, this marketing approach, it, it just really, really works. Okay, I see. So let's talk in that case. I mean, you said that things uh, change with the time, and obviously uh, Amazon algorithms, just like Google algorithms, periodically change, and then, you know, many people end up getting completely different results by this, doing the same thing. Um, so, uh, and I'm sure that you've heard the story of the food. Uh, 
the, yeah. the experiment that was done and um so basically just you know t- shortly to to explain um a guy took a photo of his foot, created a book cover out of it, uh, made a, a dummy like page with a text saying, you know, this is a book about my foot or something like that, and published it on Amazon, found a really, really tiny sub 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 category, which, you know, it's always easy to find, which had nothing to do with the book. I mean, it wasn't even a book, obviously. <laughs> and uh, he sold two or three copies because he texts his friend and asked to buy a copy and he bought one himself. And it immediately became an Amazon bestseller with the orange nice label that our Amazon puts on, on, on the bestsellers. Right. So it worked. Uh, obviously, he, he wrote about this. It became a huge you know, thing it went viral. Uh, I know at a certain point Amazon was involved also because they started kind of you know uh, reviewing the situation and and their algorithms and and how this happened. And few weeks after that, uh, another experiment was done. I think in Canada the same type of thing was done and they recreated the experiment and it worked also again so um so basically there are some obvious problems with the algorithm and and with the way you know the control goes and there are many things to trick uh, are there any like you know what is your vision i mean are, are there any like how are you envisaging this um, when people say Amazon best-selling author those who are not in the industry kind of get really impressed about that now I have a feeling that you know the the title has been devaluated with everything that was going on what's your position on that um yeah I, I think we're getting to the point where just saying you're an Amazon bestseller like it, it doesn't really mean anything, right? It doesn't carry much weight. Um, so, if you're trying to provide, you know, some sort of credibility, show something that that's actually noteworthy. Well, um, for me, whenever I want to show people that I've actually done things, I, I show them the screenshot that I took of uh, me out selling Donald Trump, which uh, I, I mean, you know, Donald Trump is running uh, for, you know, the uh, American president and I'm a 16 year old kid and I'm out selling him showing, showing people that picture that that gets a lot of attention that shows them that, you know, Hey, this kid might know what he's doing just a little bit. Um, Better so, than Donald Trump. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, if you can, you have to be a little bit more creative yet. You can't just say that you're a bestseller, but, um, I, I think there's still ways to, show people that you're you know a credible author that has actually done some noteworthy things and now obviously you want to do the noteworthy things first but uh you know as long as you do that you should be good so so do you believe that you know with the way now amazon works at this point of time uh basically anyone could get that badge a best-selling badge um, probably yeah I, I mean, I, I know lots of, I, I read lots of books that are just like short 20 page guides on whatever, just some random subject. And they're the number one bestseller and they had a lot of good reviews. So, you know, I, I bought them. I, I thought that they would help me with, you know, some little um, problem that I was working on or whatever. 
And they turned out to be just complete crap, ton of typos, no really good information that you couldn't get for free, um, you know, for, from blogs or whatever. Probably and, outsourced. <laughs> yeah, probably. And uh, I mean, there's a lot of books out there like that. And it's really easy to game the system in this sense to get a bestseller badge. Um, it's also, it's getting harder, but it's also pretty easy to get um, good positive reviews that are, you know, not actually legit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think Amazon is realizing some of these things and coming up with ways to, um, you know, solve these issues. But at the same time, um, I, I think it's a little bit of a trade-off. So yes, there are people out there that are going to try to game the system. And w- when there's no gatekeepers, right? When there's nobody that's saying, hey, you can't publish this book or you can publish this book. When, when there's nobody that can decide whether or not people can pu- publish books, well, which is how it used to be, right? You, you had to go through a gatekeeper. There was someone that could make the decision that would you know, change your entire career. We don't have that anymore. So, I, and I think that's awesome. It's so cool that self-publishing is the way that it is and anybody can do it. But because anybody can do it, everyone will do it. You know, people that you don't really want to be out there putting their content on Amazon will. But whenever I see someone like this, I just think, yes, it's kind of annoying, but it's also worth it because we get to have this amazing opportunity to put our content out there. And, uh, you know, that, that's something we couldn't do 20 years ago. Yeah, I see. I mean, right now, uh, I'm just trying to imagine the situation. So basically, right now, we end up with a situation where, as you said, there are many books who even have good reviews and good rankings. But still, when we try them, we see that they are complete crap. So as a result, most probably, we end up buying books from a well-known uh, authors, uh, authors we trust and we know. And uh, so what happens with the newbie writers who are not known at all? Now it's becoming more difficult to kind of, you know, break through. What would you suggest those who are just starting right now? Yeah, so I actually talk about this a lot in the course, but I think one of the biggest things that you can do is to be super, super, super creative. Just think totally outside the box. And um, you know, earlier I recommended some techniques that are pretty, pretty normal. You know, guest blogging or um, getting better covers. You, you know, th- those are pretty normal, average techniques that are effective, but they're still things that you know you, you hear pretty, pretty frequently. But um, I think if you really want to be successful, especially as it's getting harder and more competitive, you know, there's over four million ebooks on Amazon. Um, I think you, you just want to be really, really creative and just do something that people haven't seen before. Um, to, to give a little bit of an example, I, I know that this is changing industries just a little bit, but um, in the movie industry, they always promote movies the same way, you know. They come out with a movie trailer. Maybe they do some Facebook ads with that movie trailer. Um, maybe they get billboards, but it, it's just really pretty standard, generic. Most movie studios do the same things for every movie. But recently, a couple of movies came out where they decided to change things up a little bit. Um, I know uh, for the Deadpool movie that came out recently, they did tons of really creative things. They had the actor dress up and go sell chimichangas at the Super Bowl. Um, to promote the movie. Um, for another movie that came out recently, Kung Fu Panda, they, uh, whenever you bought a movie ticket, 
um, for, for a different movie. Um, they would give you a fortune cookie with, you know, an advertisement for Kung Fu Panda that was just included in the price of the ticket. Um, they would also, for, for a little while, they had a deal with Amazon that whenever uh, anybody bought any movie or rented any movie on Amazon, um, Amazon would send that person an email saying, hey, thanks for your purchase, and you can get a free copy of uh, Kung Fu Panda number one, and we're encouraging you to go check out Kung Fu Panda number three when it comes out in theaters. They, they, they just did a lot of creative things that I hadn't seen before, and uh, I think authors can you know, take a, a little bit of a, of a hint here and get more creative with their own marketing strategies and do things that you nobody has seen before. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, I think that there is a potential because, you know, writers are creative people. So they have this creative potential inside which they can sort of, you know, uh, direct into think coming up with new approaches to how they market their books, not only how they write them. So yeah, definitely. Uh, I think it will be interesting to see what... Um, these days, new authors will be coming up with. And um, it's, it's well, I mean, I have to admit, uh, you, you've got a very impressive story. And I, I guess it's kind of, besides the knowledge you shared, we also have this inspirational um, case where, um, you know, they, they see that it's very realistic. I mean, I, I, I hate these stories where, People are sort of advertising overnight success, which usually is not overnight. So, I mean, the realistic story of, of you starting over having the same issues we all had, seeing that $1 royalty in the whole month and, you know, seeing things not working for quite a while and then, you know, figuring things out and it, it taking like your overnight taking two years. I think this is like a realistic but at the same time, very positive message in there. Yeah, well, I, I mean, seriously, if I, I, I know that this is kind of a cliche, overused phrase, but I think it really applies in this case. You know, if I can do this, seriously, anybody can. I mean, I'm a 16-year-old kid, and I, I'm not even really, like, that smart. But there are some 16-year-olds out there that are super smart, super good at what they do. I, I'm not one of those people. I'm just an average 16-year-old kid. And, you know, I figured this out. You definitely can. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, it, I think it's, it's a matter, you mentioned smart, but I think it's not only the intelligent, intelligence issue here. It's, all, it's a combination of many things. It's a combination of being persistent, of not giving up, of, you know, uh, reading a lot, of trying to figure out things, of thinking outside the box and all that stuff. So it's not really right. one component here. It's, it's about many, many different things that come together and sort of work out so uh i guess um the, the main message is that you know if you want it bad enough um, there's always a way to achieve it right no I, I totally agree i actually wrote a book um about a year ago now maybe just a little over a year called how bad do you want it and that's personally my favorite book that i've ever written because it helped me learn a lot about the nature of success and why successful people are successful and honestly if you want something bad enough, you can figure it out. I, I mean, humans, we, we figured out so many amazing things. I mean, whoa, 
we took someone from our planet and put them on the moon. Like the, when you, you, we're kind of used to that idea now, but when you really take a step back and think about it, getting someone you know that far away from our planet, that it's just so amazing. And there's so many incredible stories out there of amazing people that did incredible things. Um, and if you think about it, we're not that different from them. You, you know, any of the greats, Einstein or George Washington or whoever, you know, someone that has accomplished something pretty incredible. That it's not like there was some sort of magical ingredient put in their food when they're a baby or whatever. Like they're they're the same as us. You know, there's no reason we can't do things that are just as incredible. Yeah, I agree. Well, I mean, thanks a lot for coming. I, I re I'm really happy that we did this interview. And before we part, just let people know, um, you know, if they want to connect with you, where do they go? And also, where is your online course we spoke about? Yeah, so um, if you want to connect with me, um, you, you can just hit me up on Facebook. Um, that, that's probably uh, where, where I hang out the most to connect with uh, uh, to connect with people. Um, you can probably just search for me. I'm, I'm sorry, I, I don't have a link for that. Um, and then if you want to check out my course, um, it's at booksalesdoctor.com. And uh, the standard price is $297, which uh, you, you know that, that's about half the price of most of the other courses out there. But I'm doing this special deal right now where uh, I, I've got a coupon code um, where you can get it for $99. So that, that's, I, I think, about 66% off. The, the coupon code is uh, you should be writing. And if you go and hit the buy button, there's a little spot you can put that code in. And then you can get it for 66% off. So again, booksalesdoctor.com and the code is you should be writing. Yeah. Wow, very nice coupon code, actually. Yeah, <laughs> you should be writing, guys. That's true. <laughs> you should. <laughs> okay, well, thanks for coming over. It was really nice chatting to you. And, uh, well, so let the success continue. Awesome. Thank you for, very much for having me. Well, that's all that I had for you today. As I mentioned in the very beginning, May is a month for big changes for me. I'm initiating loads of new things, very different things. And uh, since it's sort of a long story, I will be making a separate episode specifically explaining what's going on, what my plans are, how it will affect you, the podcast listeners, and how you could eventually uh, if you'd like to and I would love and appreciate if you do uh, come with me on this new journey and support me along the way so keep tuned I will make a separate episode to explain everything and to share my plans and meanwhile take care keep writing and I really hope that you'll stick around